a Bulldog Radio podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open, Taylor is going to take this one to the house. Touchdown Bulldogs. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode here of the Most Valuable Sports Podcast. Brandon Worth, Joe Nagy, bringing you the heat this fine afternoon. We got, Hi, everybody. Got a great episode coming up on deck. Fair State Sports Rundown, of course, as well as talking the NFL. You know, Tom Brady retired. We got a lot to For say the about the second time. Yeah, as well as coaching hires and candidates, as well as the East uh, West Bowl, the Shrine Bowls, mm-hmm. all it's getting underway. And we'll talk about the Pro Bowl as well. Uh, but first, we have a great interview. Some of my teammates over in the throwing department, Jake Zamita, Aiden McGuire, stopped by the show to talk about throwing things far. And let me tell you, Joe, they throw things far. They do. So without further ado, let's swing it to the interview. <laughs> Live in studio now joining us, a pair of Ferris State throwers stopped by. Aiden McGuire, Jake Submitta stopped by. Hey, guys, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Jake, Aiden, thank, thank you so much for coming on. First question for you guys. Spring season is up around the corner, indoors, right in the middle of it. I know, Jake, for you, you're in it. Aiden, you're kind of getting ready for outdoor. Can you guys just talk a little bit about just preparing for the season and just get ready to throw? Yeah, um, the team right now is looking very solid. We're all lifting pretty heavy right now. Uh, Larry's got a great great training program for us. The only, the only real issue is everyone's kind of fighting their own injuries right now. It's, it's kind of getting to that, that point in the season where we're all beat up, but we're all, we're all pretty tough, pretty resilient. Uh, like what he mentioned with coach Larry, you know, I've been in the industry long enough. You know, I do is injuries and with the right training. I think we've, it's a really solid crew this year. Uh, bringing back two female throwers, Emma and three. We've got two football throwers right now coming on and should be an interesting year. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Coach uh, Larry. We call him L-Dog, of course, in the track and field world. What's it been like working with him when just learning all of the the long tutelage of history that he's had in coaching and just being able to help maximize your guys' performances? Oh, he's awesome. He's, a, he's like a, a walking dictionary, man. He's got He's got sayings for everything, and he's got a story about every situation that you could think of. And they're all hilarious. They're all great. <laughs> yeah, he's a great, funny guy, oh, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And especially for training for you two guys, like just trying to put up as much weight as possible. You know, what's it kind of like now that you're battling injuries? Is it kind of hindered what you're trying to put up, especially what you're trying to do for weight training? Or has kind of been more just steady going and trying to do the right things? Uh, yeah, with me, I'm struggling with a back injury right now. So I'm not able to really put much weight on my back and load it. So that's kind of been tricky trying to figure out different variations of the lifts to be able to work those same muscle groups at the same rate that I would with the heavier weight. But like I said, Larry's, Larry's done a great job with, with helping me with that. Absolutely. And Aiden, for you, especially um, as a freshman coming in this first year of college throwing, getting acclimated, especially with class and that whole ordeal. Um, what's it been like for you, especially now building up so far, um, redshirting this indoor season and just really kind of learning the whole feel of what it's like to be a collegiate thrower? Oh, the biggest thing right now what I realized is that you're able to get more reps, which is which is um double edged sword. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And especially, I mean, you're especially for you, you're coming off an of indoor season and stuff like that. Has there been much of a difference when it comes to throwing an indoor compared to outdoor? Is it kind of like do you get ready with competition differently or how's that going? Unfortunately, yeah, there is a there is a difference between outdoor and indoor. Uh for me, indoor really is just the preseason for outdoor. It's just getting ready, getting the, getting the rust off. But mentally, I still like to prepare the same. I like to try to get in my zone, not get psyched up too much, and uh, just go to work. 
Yeah, and when it comes to some of the best places to throw, obviously every throwing pit area is different when you go to these different areas. Has there been one that's been like the standout? Like, man, if I could go back and throw here, then that would just be the ultimate goal. Uh, yeah, I really love Grand Valley's outdoor facility. Their rings are are beautiful, so smooth. But uh, for indoor, Saginaw, Saginaw would have, have to take the cake on that one. Uh-huh, that's right. Well, I mean, those are the two we're at almost the whole yeah. year, so <laughs> it works out really well yeah. that way. Yeah, absolutely. And especially with the installation of the cap compared to lifting in the rubber room before, can you guys just talk about the difference of getting ready and training and just kind of like how much of a difference it is with, you know, the attitude towards getting ready to train when you have such a beautiful facility like the cap. And then when you had the uh, rubber room before, just talk about the differences between the two. Uh, yeah, I love the rubber room though. It was just like the dungeon, man. That's, that's <laughs> where, that's where you, you put in some work, but, but don't get me wrong. Going into that, that new facility, it, it just gets you excited in a whole different way. Mm-hmm. With the rubber room, it's kind of just like rocky, you know? I feel like in the eighties, just you're just banging and clanging. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> putting your head down, going to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. with the uh, with the new facility, it's it's a solid facility. I can't complain. Yeah, and the amount of auxiliary lifts you can do with with the the equipment they have in there is just is just crazy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, when it comes to overall your guys' stories, obviously you guys both athletes in high school and uh, successful in throwing that ended up getting you here. Uh, what were some of those things and some of those events early on that really got you into track and field and decided, you know what, I'm going to try to throw outdoors in track and field in high school? Well, I started out throwing in seventh grade, uh, seventh and eighth grade. I had the shot put record at my middle school. And then my freshman year, I went and played baseball and uh, realized that was a waste of time for myself. <laughs> so uh, I started uh, throwing again my sophomore year in high school, and I, I never looked back. Um, I think it was, I'd always just lean so much towards football, you know, but then once it's like you get going in like track, okay, I did my eighth grade year, like, okay, this is okay. Ninth grade year, you know, I think I'd probably go on Saturdays, you know, just to put in some extra work. Next thing you know, it's like varsity, and then it's like, okay, well, this is actually like, I'm not saying it's an easy sport, but you know, if you put in the time, you're like, okay, like it's black and white. It's like I through and one twenty. Like okay, I'm solid. Like you know, this is fun. Yeah, you get that team aspect with the individual yeah, part to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And for you two guys, I mean, being from St. Clair, Jake, and as well Corona for you, uh, Aiden. Can you guys talk a little bit about? I mean, both are kind of east side of the state, and what's that been like? Kind of coming to Big Rapids and coming across the across the state a little bit, and just coming there for school. Well, for me, it's about a three and a half hour drive, but uh, that's about really the only difference. I mean, St. Clair's pretty small. Big Rapids is pretty small. I mean, I think I adapted quite well. Uh, I'd say, you know, east side of the state, it's pretty similar to where I grew up at. It's a little bit more being here, the more country, but I feel like kind of fit, fit that personality. Yeah, when it comes to the the weather, obviously, east side and west side certainly have the differences. Have you guys noticed that a little bit when coming into Ferris? I mean, we're not necessarily the full west side like Ludington or any of the places on the lake, but I mean, it's got to feel at least a little bit different than the east coast. Yeah, definitely a lot more snow, snow, (laughs) which which is perfect for skiing. But yeah, yeah, we don't usually see the amount of snow we have have over here on on the east side. Yeah, and especially with that, I mean, coming up now, you guys have the outdoor season coming up. You know, is there pretty big like preparation stuff kind of coming in with the differences of that just with like mentality wise? Like how do you kind of go from switching from the indoor season then to the outdoor? The big part from going indoor and outdoor is the amount of field events because uh, there's only really two you can do in indoor and then there's what five for the throwers and outdoor. So just the just the amount of, of different training you, you have to do for outdoor, it's different. Oh, that transition, I feel like just you get to see the sun. That's the only. <laughs> That's the only difference. You get to be a little bit brighter out there. Yeah, you're you're outside. Yeah, sure. but I mean, we all love the sun. I mean, that that makes it a lot nicer for sure. 
put a smile on his face, not like just walking into a gloomy building. And yeah, gray, <laughs> a gray room with white walls. Yeah. 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 I mean, the mental portion of it, I know, especially as collegiate athletes, is one of those that like people kind of forget a lot about. When it comes to that preparation where you guys are warming up, getting ready to throw, what are some of those things that you guys go through um, as far as those, maybe not necessarily superstitions, but always those routines and all that stuff that gets you ready to go? I get pretty fired up before, before my, uh, my meet. So it's really important for me to keep calm and, uh, not get too excited. I just like to kind of go off by myself, get in the zone and, and focus up, get ready to drop some bombs. And I kind of like to start it off like mellow and then, but then kind of like amp it up each song. Cause I start off with like the study beats, you know, start doing that. But oh yeah. Like the low five. Yeah, like okay. The low okay. Ones, yeah. okay. By the end of it, it's ACDC and <laughs> oh, yeah, you're getting, you're getting ready with those ones. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's it. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. I have to share the playlist. Yeah. Over here. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I like the playlist. <laughs> um, even picking back off of that, obviously college athlete, of course, first thing coming first student athlete and student, uh, when it comes to just the overall day in the life, when you have practice and you have academics, what is that kind of flow that you guys have in your schedules that some people may not necessarily get as a normal college student? Uh, the great thing is that Larry really makes it easy for you to get get in and, and put the work in. He works around your schedule. So that really that's really helpful. He's willing to, to drop anything to come in and help you out if you need to. Oh, one thing I like about it is just it's a simple schedule. You know, it's like a.m. lift and then noon, go to class, be out by like 3 p.m. and then just study. Yeah, it seems it seems a little bit tough kind of when you look from the outside looking in, but when you're in it, it's just kind of a solid schedule all the way throughout. Uh, but thank you guys so much for coming on. Last question yeah. for you guys. We ask everybody that comes on the show, what's been your favorite thing about being a Fair State Bulldog and being in Big Rapids? That's a great question. Just the way the Bulldogs carry themselves. It's It's just... It's different. We're all just dogs. We're all just <laughs> dogs. dogs. Yes. Love it. Uh, it's, a, it's everything you need at Ferris and just you just get the ability to just work hard each day. For sure. And opportunities out there. That's one of the core values. But thank you boys so much for coming on. And now we wish you upcoming on the, the rest of the track season. Thank you. Welcome back. Now into the Ferris State Sports Rundown. Starting on the hardwood, Ferris State Hoops will be in action over across the pond this weekend. Parkside on Thursday, which will have already happened by the time you've heard this episode, as well as Purdue Northwest on Saturday. Those games will be just about tipping off as you guys are hearing this live on WBRN. Certainly some big games this weekend. Obviously the women's squad able to sweep last week, Joe, and really get back on track after a little bit of a losing skid. Uh, but really going to be facing a tough Parkside team that we took an L to earlier on this season. Uh, but Purdue Northwest, a team that we know that we can beat, but play better than their record here so far this season. Absolutely. Purdue Northwest has been a team that's been kind of like scary good. They have a solid amount of players who are have the great size, have great handles. It's just they've been on a losing side just barely. They haven't really had too many blowouts or anything like that. It's more just been a team that's fallen short. So that's going to be an interesting one to see there. But Purdue, or Parkside, excuse me, is going to be the one that I'm really looking forward to watching, especially seeing that they're near the top of the GLIAC. They have some really lethal scores, and they kind of got away a little bit last time when they came to Gym Week Arena. It's going to be interesting uh, when we're in their place, but these are going to be two pretty key games for the women's side because you don't really want to go back on that skid. You want to get back onto it, especially with the GLIAC tournament coming up, and you want to make sure you get as high up in those standings as possible so you can lock in that first-round homestand. But if they lose here, it'll be a little bit tough, but... You know, last week, getting right off of that uh, little skid, like you were talking about, Brandon, getting two wins at home was huge for the program. 
But it's these two wins here that I think are going to be pretty pivotal uh, when it comes to late season standings. Yeah, and especially what we saw last week, Michigan Tech, we didn't play our best offensively, but defensively on the glass, gritting that game was absolutely huge. And I think that can carry over into this weekend as well as Northern. We kind of saw that offense come back. The thing that worries me a little bit is offensively, we have not shot the basketball very well on the road so far. Saginaw Valley, we only shot 30%. And Wayne State, we shot just under 30%. So you look at those numbers and you kind of get a little bit nervous. But at the same time, as long as they're able to take care of the basketball That's the biggest key because I don't believe that the shooting performance against especially that Saginaw Valley game uh, on January 21st was the reason that we lost that game. It was more because we had 22 turns. And that's really where this team kind of makes or breaks some of these big games that they have. Because when they're able to take care of the ball, like we saw last weekend, they can beat anybody in this conference. There's no doubt about it. And I think that's the biggest thing when you see uh, just the the veteran poise of Mallory McCartney as well as Deshaun Aday. Uh, Grace Sullivan coming off the bench has really kind of fail, fit into her role. And the freshmen have stepped up really well. Uh, obviously, Chloe Adoni is still on an absolute tear. Gliak Player of the Week honoree. She's going to continue uh, oh, her wow, scoring right trend. And I think that's going to just really kind of carry over. I mean, you look at some of these teams. Uh, I mean, Parkside's a really good team at really scoring the basketball. Uh, I mean, they have one of the most talented scorers in Alyssa Nelson. And I think that that will certainly kind of get you set up um, for if you're able to win that game, you should have no problem going into Purdue Northwest. And that's really, that's no disrespect to them, but Purdue Northwest is not as high scoring of a team. They try to really grit it out. They're like a Wayne State team. They really want to try and play fast, but they want to try and slow it down a little bit as well. Maybe not as much as Wayne State, um, but they're going to try to win in more low scoring fashion. Um, First for the, the size and speed of their team, Purdue Northwest shows a little bit of challenges compared to Parkside and difference. But I think if you find that way to play against Parkside, that's going to roll over in this game this afternoon against Purdue Northwest. And hopefully the women get another sweep and move up in the standings once again. Yeah, and Purdue Northwest too, the last 11 games, the last 11 losses, nine of them have been within 10 points. So they're going to be a team that, you know, they don't have the greatest record in the GLIAC right now. They're sitting at two and nine so far. But you look at those nine losses, if you just have a little bit of a run here and there, they're looking at maybe a 500, even a 9-2 and two, straight up flip. So that one's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, they play much better than their record shows. I would definitely yeah, agree with that. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's women's basketball. Men's basketball has basically the same schedule. They're just going to be starting two hours after women's basketball. But once again, it's the same story. Two very needed wins here. Wisconsin Parkside is near the top of the GLIAC as well. Same thing for women's and men's side for uh, the Rangers there. But these are two teams that have been a little bit privy to upset here. And I'm interested to see what goes on. Yeah, this is going to be an intriguing matchup. Obviously, Parkside Thursday is the one that we're going to be really in tune for. And obviously, we'll try to recap that as much as we can on next weekend's show. So make sure you subscribe on WBRN and get that preset dialed so you don't miss next week's show as well. Um, But I think when you look at how Parkside and Purdue play, it's much differently. Mm -hmm. They have a much different scheme, similar to what we described in the women's. Um, Purdue Northwest is a team um, that when you look at them in the statistical categories, especially, I think is where... Um, really the two teams kind of differentiate and really stand out amongst each other. Um, when you consider that really offensively, I mean, you see two different teams as far as Purdue wants to try and they want to run you out of it. They're going to try to score and outscore and outscore. They are not as much worried defensively as a team like Parkside that is a lot better defensively and, and can really show a prowess against your opposing offense. And when you get shots to fall, 
it works. And that's what really happened at home at Wink earlier on this season. Solomon Regbu, of course, a former Ranger himself, had a huge revenge game against his former squad. And that was great to see. Uh, I'm hoping he continues his dominant run of play. Ethan Erickson starting to get back into form three-point shooting-wise. I thought the bigs honestly played a very underrated game with Delapo and Vallejo over this last weekend. If they can continue that over and really kind of play their role. And Michael Bingham especially. I know mm-hmm. that's one we've talked about on the podcast. Really, a recent Joe has been really good at stepping up, getting into the rebounding category, packing up those boards, double doubles. And obviously the main guys up front that we heard from earlier, they're going to take care of the basketball and they're going to make plays and Jimmy Schuller and Amari Lee. So those guys are playing high, high, high cylinder and we're able to throw down some gnarly dunks and get out with athleticism and knock down the three ball. They're one of the best teams in the country. As long as they can take care of the basketball and out rebound teams to get there, that's where they might have struggles. But I think it's still a lot of good matchups. We've obviously beat these two teams before. Let's go do it again. Absolutely. 17 and five overall for the dogs. Eight and three tied in the GLIAC for first place with Wisconsin Parkside. But the dogs are 11 and one in their last 12 on a six game heater. So this one's going to be interesting, especially for the dogs. Want to keep that go- that streak going to eight. And it's going to be crazy, uh, especially as these have some pretty big implications on how the GLIAC is going to play out. Absolutely. Moving our way over to the ice. Hockey is in action this weekend. Taking on Bowling Green. Going to be an interesting matchup against the Falcons. Split at home against them earlier on this season right now. Falcons sitting at third overall in the CCHA standings. They were at one at the one point. Uh, Minnesota State kind of took care of us this weekend, and that bumped them up into first place, uh, and that kind of dropped us back a little bit out of contention for home ice. It's still out there, and that's really what we're fighting for is trying to get home ice in the CCHA playoff. Otherwise, right now, it looks like we're going to be traveling over to Minnesota to take on Bemidji State at their place. Um, But right now, when you looked at the way that that team played, uh, and we really emphasized this on last Monday's show, that they really played better than the score indicated. And I think that was the biggest thing to take out of that game. Obviously, they're going to be dropping the puck here in a few hours if you're listening to this live. That It's really going to be uh, a tale of how they play Friday. Because you look at a lot of these pass games here, and you see them necessarily kind of get off to a little bit of a slow start Friday. It really kind of mulls over. Now they get the big momentum into Saturday, and they play a much better game. Which Minnesota State was that? Don't just look at the four-one-five-one scoreboard. They played better Saturday than they did Friday, and they had them on the ropes really after the first period. But when you look at some of these other games, especially Michigan Tech was a prime example, really didn't play a bad game, got the one-nothing loss. Then they carried that momentum over and really pounded it, especially later on in that game. They found their spot and were able to get the win uh, in the shootout at home. Uh, but Really, if you look out and you sometimes this team gets out really fast too. GLI was a prime example. Joe, you were there. You saw it firsthand. Them really beating side for that one. Yeah, beating down on Michigan State, and then we obviously ran into the gauntlet of fire of Western, whatever yeah. they but were. Even on that tournament. if you look at the first period of that Western game, it was zero zero going into. It, I'm pretty right. sure, or sorry, it was two to one, but it was pretty much zero zero all throughout. And then just need, I think it was like the last like three minutes or something like that. Yeah, that's when the scoring started to heat up, but. That was that first 20 of that game was probably the best hockey I've seen us play all season. And if we're able to replicate that, I saw that pretty much uh, from Minnesota State game as well. The second game, we pretty much matched that. It's just Bowling Green is a team that, you know, we've had struggles with getting the sweep. We've had struggles with them sweeping us. It's just going to be one where you got to come out ready to go because if really, if you don't start getting on a bit of a streak here where you're winning two, three games in a row with maybe a loss in between, even more four or five, you can kind of kiss the home schedule or the home home stand for the playoffs goodbye because Bemidji is six points ahead of us right now. 
if you don't start winning, especially since you're going to be going to, or especially since Bemidji's going to be coming to town the week after, you there's a fire lit under you, and you got to be able to put it out or something. I don't know what it's got to be, but you got to win these two this weekend, and it's going to be a tough task. Seeing that we only split with them last time, and it was a pretty high scoring affair both games, but you got to go in pretty pretty well prepared against these this Falcon team because in the CCHA they're near the top and they've been playing pretty well. They are sitting just over 500 overall, but when it comes to conference play, they've been tearing it up. Absolutely. It's go time for the boys. They need yes, to get some wins. It's going to be hard in Bowling Green, not a rink we've played at as our best over the last couple of years, but they're going to need this big time. 7.07 Friday, 6.07 Saturday. Um, for those puck drops, you can follow along, mm-hmm. fairstatebulldogs.com. Anyway, finishing out the Fair State Rundown, tennis will also be in action this weekend. Wishing the tennis teams good luck as they start to get back into the spring grind uh, and get some of their first exhibition games underway. Mm-hmm. Going to be taking on Northwood, a familiar foe, um, over down uh, in the racket center. So we wish them the best of luck. Obviously going to be a younger team, but certainly with still enough experience that they can make a good run uh, and we'll get to them and break down their in depth as we start seeing the roster and some of those first games played out. Anyway, finishing out our first show here, Super Bowl is coming up here. If you haven't heard already, if you're not living under a rock, um, going to be a lot of good food choices Party's here. going to be crazy, man. It's going to be. Eagles Chiefs going to be a fun game here, but for the last minute in 30 seconds here, two minutes here, um, definitely considering some of the food choices that I've had at some other parties and gatherings in the past. What's uh, what's the best and worst ones that you ever, like that you've ever seen somebody bring? Oh gosh. The, I got them. I got them on deck. All right. Well, you go ahead here first. The best on, one, unleash. the best snack or like whatever food dish you can bring is like a buffalo chicken dip. Buffalo cheese chicken dip, you can never go wrong. Because here's the thing. If somebody think it says it's too hot, don't put as much on there. If somebody loves it, he, they're gonna be at the they're gonna be at the crock pot the whole night. When they're gonna destroy those chips. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you that right now. That one you can never go wrong with. Am I right, Brandon? Everybody loves I like that. Everybody one. loves I like that buffalo one. chicken dip. I will tell you what though, one time when I was like 12, this one lady came to the party. No, but to be honest, nobody liked her. I mean, it was just more of a <laughs> I don't know how they got invited because to be honest, like nobody talked about it. She brought Brussels sprouts. Oh, like no. Like the Brussels sprouts, like the Parmesan stuff. No. It was bad. No, no, I'm not no, even no. lying too. It was like, she had like a whole like big, it was like a two by three, like the cooking pan. And she just brought that in. I was like, why would you just bring a whole cooking pan? Like for one, you got to bring a dirty dish when you're home. Like, I don't understand that. Who thinks Brussels sprouts is a good idea? Not me. I want... Greasy food. I want not healthy food. It's a Super Bowl, man. Oh, yeah. It's like a tailgate you got to have. All right. I'll finish up with my picks here. Best food, definitely. Hands Hit down. Us with it. Buffalo wings. Hands down. It's got to be up there. Yep. Got to be up there. Wings are so solid, man. Oh, every single time. Uh, I don't know. I really haven't had some bad ones here. Uh, I think one year somebody made a bad, uh, uh, man, I don't, I want to say it was like uh, some sort of an artichoke dip. It really did not hit the oh, spot. Dude, you gotta, you gotta make sure you're cooking that the right way. Cause you can, oh man, if you make a bad artichoke dip, party foul. Yeah. Party foul. Yeah. One underrated one that I would say, Joe here. What's that? Chili. I think that's an underrated Super Bowl party food. I ain't gonna lie, man. I don't like chili. What? Yeah. What is wrong with you? I don't know. I, here's the thing. I'm not even like a picky eater or anything. Like I've, I pride myself on being pretty adventurous, but chili is just one thing I can't get behind. What? Tastes like it. I don't know why. It just tastes. It doesn't taste good. <laughs> I can't give an explanation other than that. I wish I could show you a picture of my face right now with this audio medium, but you you don't like chili? Yeah. 
another unpopular opinion that I have is uh, I actually don't like going to Super Bowl parties. That one I can get more behind than you have because don't like, like chili. Here's the thing. If I go to a Super Bowl party with like my family, friends and stuff, half the time everybody's talking during the game and like I get annoyed with it because I'm just trying to watch. And then like the commercials come on and that's when everybody wants to quiet down. And then nobody really cares until like the fourth quarter. And I'm like, dude, I'm here to watch a football game. And then you got kids running around like screaming and playing games and stuff. And I can't even hear the TV because they got on like mute almost because basically everybody's talking. Like it's a little annoying. For that. Yeah. I mean, also, you can never go wrong with Doritos at a, <laughs> at a, at a Super Bowl party. I've never experienced what it, a Dorito tastes like. Yeah, I know. It's oh, pretty, yeah. It's, you got gluten. You're a gluten guy. Yeah. You can't it, have gluten. It's pretty sad, but um, back to Chile. Well, I guess I, you can go wrong with Doritos if you're there. Well, yeah, I could go wrong with that. The Super Bowl party take, I don't mind. So, like, I don't actually like going to these, like, elaborate extravaganza huge Super Bowl parties that some mm-hmm. people throw. I like to have like me and my high school buddies, we used to have shout out if they're listening uh, to the episode. They'd always like, I'd always host them, come over to my house, four or five of us. We just hang out in the basement watching the game. Uh, the we play halftime at Matt or we play Madden halftime, at halftime, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Like, like just have fun. Like, you know, throw darts even before the game starts and just, you have know, a good time. chat about life. You know, yeah. I don't, not like getting 30 people in this huge, like venued place with 17 screens. It's like, no, that's just kind of too much for me. So and it's usually all the way, usually around my birthday time anyway. So it's always kind of nice, you know, to just have your buddies over around that time and you can kind of celebrate that a little bit. So it's, it's pretty fun, but I still can't, I don't know. I was not expecting you to say that you don't like chili of all things, Joe. Come it's on, just, I don't know, man. Also, I, I feel like I was spoiled because growing up, we would always go to this like our family friend's house and they were like uh, uh, beef farmers. So they would always like make like ribs and like really good stuff. Like they make like back straps and stuff from like venison. Oh. And like they make like really good burgers. Like they'd be like smoking meats for like 24 hours. And like that's what we'd eat. So I feel like I was spoiled with that. But yeah, that sounds. Let's get into Brussels sprouts. Ugh. Brussels sprouts needs to be canceled from any Super Bowl party absolutely you know, immediately. Kick them out of here. Kick them out. That's ridiculous. Why would you have Brussels sprouts out of here. for a football game? Get them out of here. Get them out of here. We need a sound effect for that. You know, like an old umpire. Get out of here. So, anyway, we'll get into the NBA here. Or, excuse me, not the NBA, the NFL here, kind of on this topic. Uh, we'll get to the NBA certainly another day. Uh, going through now some of the coaching changes as well as one acquisition that has finally been made. One quarterback we've lost from the league, arguably one of the greatest, Tom Brady. TB12. Retiring for the second time this time. Yeah, yeah. Seems to be this for real. I think this one's for real too. This one was short and sweet. So hopefully, I mean, to be honest, it's weird because now like it's only Aaron Rodgers is like the only other quarterback from our childhood that's still playing. You know, it's like a little bit weird, but like that one or this announcement seemed like more legit because it was kind of like short and sweet. He was actually like crying in it. So I was like, Tom Brady's not that good of an actor. I've seen him in Ted too. He is not that good of an actor. <laughs> so I think he's actually retiring now. I think it's a season too late because homeboy doesn't have a marriage anymore. So that's tough for him, but Oof. you know, it's tough to see. Yeah. I hate to I, see it when your wife cheats on you with a personal trainer. Oh my gosh. It's bad. Uh, but I mean, still. One of the greatest to play oh, yeah, straight up. of all time. 15 Pro Bowls, seven Super Bowls, three all pros, three all uh, AP MVP awards. I mean, five Super Bowl MVPs, Hall of Fame 2010s team. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame, I think, for sure. I did hear He'll something. Probably be up. 
first ballot Hall of Famer. You likely. probably will. I did hear something um, that was very interesting today from Rob Parker um, when he was talking up on FS1 um, with their show. He was talking in this kind of like Stephen A. Ask type of ran a little bit. Yeah. And he was saying that he, if he had a vote, he wouldn't vote Tom Brady into the Hall of Fame. What? And the reason why is because Ron Parker, of course, started in baseball, right? He was a guy that really kind of found his way in baseball and kind of adapted it a little bit. Um, and I think that's the sport I think he covers the majority wise right now is baseball, um, where he is at right now in his career. Um, but I heard him and it was Chris Broussard, I believe, who was the other one. Uh, and they were talking about uh, the whole legacy of Tom Brady and him retiring and stuff like that. And the one thing that he mentioned with this whole thing was that he really kind of wasn't held liable for some of the things that went on in that organization, AKA deflate gate, uh, AKA some of the other uh, things that happened, suspensions with the Patriots compared to some of these other guys. And he of course compared like baseball examples of Barry Bonds, for example, of how that hit that they cheated for a performance and not performance enhancer, um, but to improve themselves in the performance of their game by an illegal measure isn't being held accountable for, as opposed to some of these guys like Barry Bonds that are held out of the Hall of Fame, which Chris Broussard then went on and said, are you really comparing deflating footballs to taking drugs? That's what he said. That's what I was just about to say. You're going to say taking drugs to basically be stronger. Barry Bonds turned into a twig, into basically like a muscle everywhere in his body after taking it. You take out a, a minuscule, a barely amount of air of PSI out of a football, that's going to be no difference. Compared to it being incredible, like rock hard to basically like you can barely squeeze it. Like there's no difference there. That maybe adds like two, three yards at most for a throw. Tom Brady still can only chuck it like 65, 70 yards in the air. That's uh, like, what was it 60? What was it? What was he in his prime? Like 65? Oh, probably. When they, like I was thinking about, I was thinking back to like the longest throw competition that they did at Pro Bowls. And I yeah. think he only made it like 65 or something like that. Yeah. He wasn't up there with like Warren Moon and some yeah. of those other guys that had no cannons. Shot. And it, that guy, he's coming from baseball and now he's a football guy and he's going to say, I'm not going to use it. Take his vote away. If he's going to say that, you can't even tell me that he should, Tom Brady, I wasn't really like, I liked him on the Patriots and like, he's a Michigan man. So I like him, but it should be unanimous. Like a first ballot hall of famer. Nobody's done what he's done before. He's seven for 10 in Super Bowl appearances. Who else has done that? Mm -hmm. Nobody. I would say in the future, maybe we'll see someone Patrick Mahomes had a chance to do it. But if you're going to say that plus five times, he was the, he was the Super Bowl MVP. Was it three times? He was the NFL MVP. Mm Mm-hmm. And he still goes to a brand new team. Yeah, you can say like, hey, it was a super team. But like a lot of these teams in the NFL in the past, let's say five, six, seven years that have won Super Bowls have all been super teams. Like it's not just because of the quarterback. Look at the Chiefs now. You got Kelsey. You got uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. You got Patrick Mahomes. You got everybody else there. You got the Eagles who are basically a super team right now. You had every other single uh, team who's won. I mean... Patriots back in the day were a super team anyways. You had everybody you wanted to. Broncos, when they won it with Peyton Manning, that was a super team. So, or the Seahawks that lost to the Patriots were a super team. Like, you can't like say, say that like that negates his championships that, he've, that he's won, especially the one in Tampa Bay, because it's been super teams every year that's won it. You, like, I don't know when the last time a Cinderella's won the Super Bowl. So, like, 
I don't know. Should be a first battle Hall of Famer. I don't. I don't think any argument that somebody can bring up can justify that he won't be a first ballot. Yeah, which to support your point, now this year, especially here in 2023, we have two number one seeds in the Super Bowl. Like yeah. this, it's a really dom. Like you don't see a lot of these Cinderella runs with some of these teams as you see with the NBA and uh, especially college basketball. Especially, um, we had what was it one year we had a seven and eight going at each other. I remember. I mean, that was I think, and even like the the Butler year when Gordon Hayward shot went just off the glass too far yeah. against Duke, where he wouldn't won that game. You don't see that much as many more. But I think to really the point of it is, yeah, Tom Brady had a point in his career where he cheated. Is anybody going to hold him against that for what else? Who he's hasn't done? cheated? Let's be real here. You don't think there's one person that's never done like a little something to change it up a little bit? I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say that. I think there's some good enough guys that might probably haven't cheated. I, I'm not saying like it's going to be crazy stuff, but it's like minuscule things that like you're in a pile and like you're following in a following the rule book to an absolute T with every policy. Like every you're, there's not a single person that's done that. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say that. I would say that there's definitely some concern of when a lot of these guys' reputations being damaged by one allegation for what they've done in the, over their 20 years, because that's really what we've been looking at with Tom. And I think now with especially, I think it's especially where we're at with society of that, holding a lot of people to the standard for what they've done wrong, which I mean is understandable, but I think there's just a lot of, there's a lot of quick to point fingers in this time and age. And this is mm-hmm. a prime example of that, of in this example of man, like, yeah, you cheated. We get that. I mean, everybody deserves a second chance in my opinion. I mean, obviously what Tom did was wrong, but I think when you look at this whole thing, regardless of what anybody's opinion is on this subject, are the media really going to have the balls to tear away a hall of fame resume based on that one thing? There's no, no way. There's no way they're going to do it. So, I mean, you can make that argument all you want, but it's going to be the media that decides him because they own the mm-hmm. votes. Rob Barker does not have a vote. It's going to be, yeah, it should be. He's, he's going to get in probably first ballot no matter what. He's going to get in. He should be unanimous, I feel like, because he's Tom Brady. Like, he, look at what he's done. If he doesn't, I feel like there's going to be uproar from a lot of different people. But, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that he'll be first ballot. Oh, he's got to be. I mean, you look at what he's done over 89,000 passing yards, 335 games he's played. I haven't, I won't do the math off the top of my head, but that's a lot of yards per game. Uh, 649 touchdowns as opposed to 212 interceptions. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Like I can't even imagine numbers that big for what he's done, but I think it really just comes down to how everybody views him and what they view of the things that he's done. And I just don't think anybody's really going to have the guts to, to really call him out for that. And I think that's what you're going to see. The real question though, I'm very curious. though, is he did say he retired. Does that, what will he sign a contract, a one day contract to be to a, patriot? a patriot? Because that's what Robert Kraft wants. Mm, yeah. Well, I feel like they, he probably would like just a one day thing. Or you whatever. think so? Because like, why would you not? Or is he going to go on his word and say, yeah, it's over. I'm not signing any paperwork. I'm not done. I'm going to Fox. I'm going to put a headset on. Yeah, he I'm going to go practice. Be, I was just about to say, yeah, he's, he's going to be fine. He's getting $100 million in Oh, yeah, like tires. three years. Not even. Jeez, yeah, dude. ridiculous. I, I'm interested to see because I don't think Tom Brady has the personality. I don't think he has the personality to be an analyst. You think so? I don't know. Maybe he is. I've seen him like playing like the match and stuff, and like he was pretty funny, but the off-the-cuff stuff of the match does not equivalent, e- equate 
to what you're going to be able to do as an analyst. It's not equivalent. Yeah, I would say so. And I think really how much money he's going to get. I don't think so. Yeah. I think it comes down to the kind of person you are, especially, um, like I think the, the most voted upon best color guy of the year was actually Greg Olson. I want to say at like some of the NBA awards. Greg Olson loses his spot to Tom Brady. I'm throwing hands. (laughs) I I would agree with that. Uh, But I think also like Sean Payton leaving to go coach. You think Tom's going to take his spot? Yes. Yeah, probably. 100%. That's where he's going to be. He's probably not going to be in the booth, but he's probably going to be in the chair. Oh, yeah. He'll be with everybody Because he'll break else. down the games and all that sort of stuff. So I think he'll- He's a smart guy. Tom is going to be fine. We're, we're all too worried about this, but- um, but Tom's, got, Tom's actually going to lose his millions. Did you know that? Since he's not playing, like he doesn't have an income at all. He's got to like- He's going to like lose everything. Yeah. He's got to go on social security like yeah. too early. No, he's I'm just go on like food stamps. <laughs> yeah. Food stamps, welfare. That would be, that'd soup, be a story to, right go there. Go to the soup kitchen. <laughs> that would be something. No, I want to know what's his actual net worth. Uh, definitely a lot of millions. I could tell you that right now without what even having to do Tom any math. Brady's but net worth. I think you would have to imagine. It's over 512 million. I was going to guess over change. 400 million and that makes sense. So 512 million. How much did he make? One Another Google search. Oh my gosh. How much in on field earnings? Tom Brady. Enter. 15. Well, that's not it. Which one? The one that he has 15, right now? Well, his salary is 15 mil a year. Right. Which because makes sense, but I'm thinking about like career. That was his one year. Oh, like that he's made over his entire yeah, career. That's got to be up there. Huh? Oh, oh. Uh, uh, I think I saw some. It was under 350 million. I know that for a fact. I think it was downwards. Yeah, yeah I was going to say it's 200 plus mil in off field earnings and then 300 some mil. Yeah. Well, he's the highest paid with 550 on the one you just pulled up. 200 has been off the field. So you can obviously do the math of 300 yeah. million or something else of that measure has well, been coming. Now, Somewhere to be from. Because I know, I know like the stat that's going around is going to be that soon because he's going to make like 515. Right. The thing that really is sticking out is he has made more, like more money than anybody ever with like 320 or 340 or whatever it is. And he's going to already double it in 10 years in the booth at Fox in half the amount of time that he made that as a football player. He's going to double it being up in the booth. In the box, like that's crazy to think about. But Mahomes Jeez. at this rate could be at that rate um, well, he's for gonna, his deal he's right gonna now. He's going to be at four fifty in what? Because he signed that ten year deal. What, like two th- two years ago? Uh, something year? along the line. Oh, was it twenty eleven? I want to say so not twenty 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 one. Sorry, twenty eleven. Twenty thirty two. He's going to be four hundred fifty thousand, four hundred fifty million dollars richer. Yeah, one hundred forty one million guaranteed. Yeah, Dude. he's going to be rich. I also like how the one of the first Google searches that popped up when you type that in is how much does State Farm pay for Patrick Because <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's, I mean, his endorsement deals have been great too. I mean, I wish he would go back to Hunt's Ketchup. Whatever happened to that? Or Heinz or whatever it was. He needs to make the more of those ketchup commercials because everybody loves that. I'm looking at the State Farm thing. Oh my gosh, we're all over the place. Jamie, when you put that on the TV, please. He makes $7 million from endorsements. Alone? Alone. I'd like to make seven million in my lifetime. I would like nice. to see seven million dollars. <laughs> I don't even need to own it. That would be something. I mean, that's just bonkers to me. And I, yeah, they do have Andy Reid also in that boat. So all the Chiefs yeah. are making money off State Farm and Drake. I wonder how Drake gets from that. Drake, yeah, that's wild. And Chris Paul. Chris Paul's but made a bunch of money off. That State begs Farm. the question: Do you think athletes are overpaid? Oh man, that's, I don't think so because of what they bring in. Well, yeah, that's the thing. But the, like that's, that's when when he signed that contract. And the stuff like that was like the big thing was like, how can you justify 
paying that much money for one person. Yeah. I think when you look at it, people in the sports industry understand where all the money's coming from. Me and Joe understand. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say- We are the sports industry. We are the sports. We are the sports. We are the sports. We read the journal. It makes sense. Um, But like when you- I cook it to meatball. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But when you look at how much revenue is actually coming in and the percentages, I think it makes more sense when you think of it that way. Because I think it really becomes, and I think this goes to an even deeper argument, which we don't have to get into about equal pay with women's sports and men's sports in that example. We'll shy away from that. Yeah, that's that's a whole another can of worms. But the amount of money that these guys are actually bringing in for the league is absolutely unimaginable. It is incredibly, incre- because you have to think about how are you getting $450 million? Probably a lot of people are asking, $45 million a year. You know how much money some of these That's NFL teams are bringing in in ticket sales, endorsement deals with other companies, sponsorships, especially corporate, um, merchandise, licensing with the merchandise, which is absolutely astronomical that nobody realizes how much licensing costs. It's crazy. But I think when you look at it in this way, I think you could definitely make the argument that it's a little bit overpaid just because when we look at the balance of that compared to a regular nine to five, you know, like the president of the United States makes what only six digits, high six digits, 800,000, 750,000. And you have all these doctors and nurses and lawyers that are making 250 to 400, 400,000. And now this guy's like yeah, throwing football do- for 45 them, million. Them doctors ain't slinging at 70 yards on the run, looking over and trying to find Juju Smith-Schuster getting guarded by somebody. Right. But the problem is, is this sport is an entity of entertainment where people are willing to spend that much money on it. You're not going to spend $100 in a hospital. You'll spend $230 on a Patrick Mahomes jersey at a go-all game at Arrowhead. You're going to spend more than $100 at a hospital. Right. I'm saying, I'm saying in the, I'm saying like straight up, you're going to have the, you're going to have the, the payments of getting in and all of those sort of things. But when you think of, when you go to a game, it's more of like you're spending money willingly compared to not willingly. Correct. When you go into a hospital and you walk down and you're going through all these places, I don't know why I got on this example, but like when you look at it, you're not going to go to a hospital and you're not going to buy hundred dollars worth of merchandise. You're not going to buy fifty dollars worth of food. You ain't going ball to the game? hospital gift shop to drop a quick. No, band. absolutely not. And will you do that at a ball game? Uh, yeah, and yeah. a quick, fast, and a hurry. I went to Ford Field and I was like, man, food, merch, everything. I don't like. I ate beforehand. We and my buddies did when we went on that Motown trifecta trend back in yeah, December. Yeah. We went to the game and I was like, man, I am so thirsty right now. And I want some, uh, just a bite to eat. And I literally had lunch before we got yeah. in there because we went on the field and stuff before the game, like two hours before. So we had been there for a couple hours and it was like, man, I want to just get like chips, something. And I was like, man, I don't really want to go. And yeah, it's going to run you first 30 all, bucks. Don't want to go way in the line. First of all, second of all, yes, it was very expensive. I think it was literally like a bottle of water and chips was like nine yeah. to 11 bucks. And I'm like, this is not like, this is not a giant Dorito bag family it's size. A this is a small a fun, fun size. size lace. Like it was not fair. It was gross. But well, dude, I went to, I went to a Whitecaps game, which is even not as expensive, but like I went there when I got like a beer for like 12 bucks. I was like, dude, one for 12. I'm yeah. going to have to be like, if like, I don't need it, but like I've, like the taste of it. So I'm going to like, I want to get one. So it's like, if I want another one, I'm going to be spending 24 just on drinks. And if I get hungry, that's going to be another, at least like 12, $15 for something to eat. 
Yeah. Depending on what it is. Yep. Like, that's the one thing that needs to change. Sport food at venues needs to be cheaper. Sell, like, just above cost or something. Because you know how much more I feel like if you did that, you'd make a lot more money. Well, I guess not. I don't know. But as a consumer of it and not an owner, I'd say you'd. People should, because that's highway robbery. People are willing to pay for it. And until that changes. That's true. It's going to stay like this, if not go if up. If I ever become a politician, I'm going to pass a bill that does that. You can only sell by this much more percentage of markup of what you actually get it for. Because if you do that. Also, another conspiracy that I believe in is that sport venues, like, release, like, an aroma or something that make you want, like, hungry and, like, thirsty. Because there's been a lot of times, there's been a lot of times where I, as soon as I get, like right before I go into the stadium, like Tiger Stadium or Comerica Park or whatever, I'll go eat something like an hour, 30 minutes before, go into the stadium. As soon as I sit down, I'm like, man, I'm hungry. I need something to eat. I need something to drink. I don't know if that's just because I'm like in a stadium or whatever, but let me tell you what, there's Illuminati or something is behind this because I'm, I'm telling you what, every time I go in there, I... I don't know if I'm just fiscally irresponsible or what, but I ended up dropping like 40 bucks. And I'm like, I already spent like 30 on this ticket or something, whatever it might be. Someone's got to look into it, man. Ah, interesting. I don't know who's behind it. Somebody's got to get like a detective on the job. Yeah, something is something something is spooky here that we need to check out. I wanted an excuse to press that button because there's no reason we need a there's scary never, spooky there's button. There's never a there. reason we need to push that but button. Joe did that just for me, so I appreciate I it. But anyway, we'll wrap up the show here. Uh, coaching hires on the way. Lions Marty made some moves, some sales, yep, as well yep, as yep, some yep. unfortunate departures. But obviously, the one everyone's talking about. Sean Payton's now Bronco made a big deal with the Saints, and now I think it is what three first, three second, three players. To get Russell Wilson, Sean Payton in Denver. Boy, that's a haul and a half to say the was least. Was Sean Payton still under contract? Under the Saints, yeah. How many years was he still under? Uh, a couple. And he wasn't coaching? No, because he stepped away, remember? Oh, yeah. When Dennis Allen came in and he went in up into the booth went oh, for Fox for a year. Yeah. And then the Broncos gave him a bunch of money to come back. And Wild. they were willing to give up. They might actually win Saints. some games next year. Could be interesting. They might actually utilize Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy instead of just having Russell Wilson do whatever. I think what he should do is just like have a talk with Russell Wilson and be like, you're not in your prime anymore. Stop trying to act like it. Become a quarterback that like plays to his strengths now. So you can't run as fast. No, but I think, okay, I was having an argument with my buddy about this recently. Yeah. We were talking about, the the real like the the longevity of careers, which I won't like base this argument based off of, because obviously um, we were having an argument about like who has been better over like who's the better quarterback uh, is it Russell Wilson or Derek Carr, and because basically in this argument there's two different things. Now if you're comparing a career, Russell Wilson obviously. If you're comparing right now, arguably it's Derek Carr for how bad Russell Wilson played last year. But there's no context to this situation. I think some people are forgetting the context of what Denver was going through uh, last year with Nathaniel Hackett, who was probably the, I wouldn't call him necessarily the most slam. He was not the most slam dunk hiring that we've seen, but the biggest worst part of that was out of all the candidates, he was probably the least qualified. Not, I wouldn't necessarily say that's come strictly on him, but he was the least ready for that position, right? Cause he had just been a quarterback's coach. He was not an OC you might have been a co-assistant OC 
in Green Bay, but that's not the same thing, right? You're not an assistant head coach. You're not a no offensive coordinator. You're not a defense coordinator. You're not running a whole unit. Uh-uh. You're running your unit, your small group, not the whole big unit. And that's a problem. And I think that's really what kind of really got to him because he didn't realize how much stuff was going into it. And then it started spiraling backwards. But the thing of it really comes down to when, a, when you see what Russell Wilson was, he was not adapting to that situation well whatsoever, right? Because like when you looked at how they played, they looked like they were just discombobulated the entire year. Like there was no synchronization with the receivers. The running game was decent at times, but not great. The offensive line, obviously the defense looked incredible. Like Averro did an incredible job. And that's why he got head coaching offers this year already. But I think when you come down to it, that was so discombobulated the way it was left that it really was just him trying to like Hackett could not pick up the pieces. So Russ was trying to do it himself and Russ mm-hmm. does not need to do that himself. And that's what screwed him. And that's what really got him all because he was trying to control things and move guys around. And that's why only half the people showed up to his birthday party in the Bo Callahan draft day special. It was just one of those situations where you're like, yeah, the guy's might be being too much of a jerk because he's trying to fix things and trying to get things back in order because somebody else wasn't ready to adapt to that situation. Mm-hmm. I think he's trying to like overstep a little bit, but hopefully with this one, it'll kind of change up, especially with the Peyton hire, because with that, I think you could really see like, a whole new dynamic between the two. And Sean Payton knows how to coach an old quarterback. I'm not saying that Russell wasn't like crazy old, but I think having Sean Payton there will be able to have him like kind of ease him into that process of realizing like, I'm not the quarterback that brought the Seahawks to the Super Bowl like those two years. Like I'm definitely not at that caliber anymore. I need to like kind of change my game up a little bit. So I'm interested to see how that kind of, how that coach and player duo goes. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. But some other hires, Demeco Ryan's with the Texans. Absolutely loved Demeco Ryan's. I think he should have been a candidate last year um, for how well he's done with that San Fran defense. It's really interesting to see what he does in Houston. Um, obviously, the move over now with Frank Wright in Carolina, um, which he actually brought Deuce Staley over from the Lions. Sad and unfortunate. I was fortunate. I was a little upset at first, but then I realized the whole situation of well, you know, Frank Wright. Deuce Taylor, very tight. Been so since Philly. Yeah. And I heard about the situation that um, Deuce Taylor's mom's not doing very well. And they're from around there. So being closer to her makes a lot of sense, obviously, um, in that situation. But it was kind of, it's hard to lose a guy like that because he was really a leader. We saw that in Hard Knocks and uh, it, seeing those guys really being around Deuce, especially Jamal and DeAndre Swift. How those guys just interacted with him was certainly something cool. But we'll see. Interesting. Uh, who would be going to be hired? I got a dark horse candidate for that. But um, also bringing in a new tight ends coach as well um, as a new DBs coach. Dre Bly's coming back. That was a very interesting hire. I'm super happy that he's back um, as well as over in the tight end room, um, getting a new guy up. And I think really you're going to see Dan Campbell. I think really still, I think you're still going to see him kind of controlling how that goes um, as far as the, as far as for the tight end coach. But uh, I think you're still going to see um, a very valuable uh, a, a duo there when you see uh, bringing over from Arizona. So I think that's going to be interesting with those hires as well. I think the Lions are still, uh, I think they're still going to be on track here. I mean, you definitely see um, a lot of the benefits that we saw from last year, um, but I think you still have, I think you still have a really good situation here. Obviously you lose, you lose Deuce, but you gain Steve Hyden. You also give Dre Bly. So I think they're still in good shape. Just get a running backs coach, which I mean, they, they definitely need to look into uh, one guy from, you know, the Georgia Bulldogs, right, Joe? The team that, you know, won it all. I think this last year in D1. Mm-hmm. So their running backs coach, that's a guy we need to look at. I don't care 
who's necessarily in charge of trying to find candidates or whatever, but we need to take a look and try to bring in Del McGee. We should try to do it. I saw this when I was reading some candidates for that position to fill Deuce Daly's role. I think we should bring in Del McGee. One, he used to play for the Lions way back in the day, back in 2000. Two, he's been the run game coordinator for the Georgia Bulldogs, which, by the way, their run is yeah, very, very good. Really good. Three, he's already worked with DeAndre. I was going to say, he's yeah, he's already got DeAndre. connections. He's coached Todd Gurley. He's coached Sony Michelle. He's coached Nick Chubb. He's got all of these guys all pro on his resume. Mm-hmm. So let's just keep building them even better. He can make Jamal Williams better. He can get DeAndre Swift back to where he was, obviously, before the injury. So I think that could be a slam dunk hire. But uh, that's just my I dark like horse throw it out there. Because I haven't heard his name very much. I saw it one time. I don't remember what uh, publication it was from that said that was should be an idea. But... I'm all for it. Go get him. Like that would be a slam dunk in my mind. Really dark horse pick, but I would love to see that. Yeah. And I'm a little bit worried because Aaron Glenn did get his second interview with the Colts yesterday. So we will see. I was very, very much looking forward to how this staff for the Lions was going to do. However, now that it seems like someone might be breaking up, we'll see how that goes. But regardless, I'm very interested. Not really interested in how this goes because I really hope he stays, but if he doesn't, then we'll see. Yeah, I think Arizona, um, as far as their head coaching search, I think you have to imagine that right now where they're at. I think I don't I can't I can't see them like I saw there being a potential that Aaron Glenn would go there. I don't think that would be the best situation for them. Um, but I think when it comes down to it, I think really I don't think they're they're fully in on Evero. Uh, I think when they had the interview with them, I think they found some other ways. Um, they've talked about Vance Joseph as well as mentioned in there a little while ago, which I mean, wouldn't be, or I guess, okay. I mean, he wasn't really great with the Broncos, but, uh, I think that you still have, uh, I think you still have Mike Kafka there who was really uh, sought after by Carolina before they got an interview with Frank Wright. Um, but I think there's still a really good opportunity that you could get, uh, a really, a really solid uh, offensive mind in there. I mean, Kafka has obviously been a guy that's worked with Patrick Mahomes and you can really revamp that offense to what you wanted it to. You still have Kyler Murray, you still have DeAndre Hopkins. So obviously that makes sense. So I think Kafka could be the guy the Cardinals hire uh, potentially later on, or maybe they just try to hire within maybe, I don't know. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see how that goes. But uh, I think it'll be very interesting to see how this NFL season comes out, especially with the coaching hires and all the new players, but it's going to be a fun Super Bowl and hopefully no artichoke dip or Brussels sprouts on the Super Bowl table. <laughs> yeah, we'll hope for it. Well, you will definitely hope for that. Yeah, I think if, I don't know if you could really, I don't know how I'd feel if I just showed up and then there was just like vegetables, a whole like, you know, the whole platter of just all these carrots and cauliflower, all the veggie trays. I My heart would just immediately go like this. Veggie dip just, is buns. It would be Veggie dip is so butt. It dude. would be bad. Don't bring the veggie dip. Give, Nobody wants it. Give us the meat. The veggie dip is for the the only people the veggie dip is for is people who show up late as like a punishment. That is. And nobody wants to buy. Nobody wants to be the person that walks in and everybody else got like the crock pot. They got, you know, the stovetop thing. They got all like their different things going on. They got like the, the bakeries there, the baked goods that they spend all day on. Then you walk in and you have a vegetable platter that you just went to the store to go pick up because you didn't put any effort in it because you just want to mooch off everybody. Don't be that person. Nobody likes that person. You're probably the fringe person of the of the group too. You probably didn't even get the invite at the start. You're probably the one that overheard of it. 
overheard the party going on. You said, oh, I didn't get an invite. Where's mine? Nobody likes that person. Don't be that person. Don't bring the veggie platter, you uninvited Whoa, person. whoa, whoa. No, calm I'm down, fine. I was down. good. I was calm good. Down, I was calm. good. I wasn't going to say nothing. Down. I wasn't going to say nothing. I was just, I, my mind was going a million miles an hour. I just had to, <laughs> I just had to slow it down. I wasn't going to say no. I wasn't going to cuss or nothing. It's going to call the authorities for a second. I, I wasn't going to cuss, was on the phone. No, no, I wasn't. I know you weren't, Joe. You're a good dude. And I definitely believe and trust you regardless of how many people probably say that. Just don't was going bring to. the veggie platter. That Please, is, that I'm is begging true. you. Don't do it. That makes the party go from like a 10 to a seven right away. It's true. Don't be that guy or woman. Cause you don't, always have, don't be that guy. Cause don't you be always girl. have don't the people, it. you always have the people who go and like, they'll eat like two or three carrots and they'll be like, they'll try to look healthy or something like that. Like that's the first thing they go to. And then you're like, oh yeah, you're even worse than the person who brought it. Oh, that's, I go on and on about this stuff, but we gotta end the show. Yeah, that's true. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe on Spotify, Apple podcasts, YouTube, whatever you follow, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Follow us as well on social media, Instagram, as well as Twitter. We send out those wild stat Wednesdays. You guys are loving those. And we got a lot of feedback on the last one we did with the football team. So you can check that out on the feed below if you haven't already. But Joe, I guess we got to get out of here. Hopefully you guys have a great weekend and we'll see you back here on Monday. But until next time, take care, everybody.